Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, so good to see you today. Grab your Bibles with me, if you would, please, and turn to Luke chapter 15. We'll be in Luke chapter 15 today. Welcome not only to those of you here in the sanctuary with us, but those of you maybe joining us in the auditorium, too. So glad that you're here today. Maybe you are watching online, or you're coming to us by way of television or the podcast. Really glad that you're here. I, I, I look forward to every Sunday, but I just, I'm, I, I'm so glad we get to do this today. Aren't you? This is awesome, and uh, so glad that you're here We've been in a series the last, uh, this is week number four, that we've called Flashback. Next week, we're going to jump back into our study in the Gospel of Matthew. You know that when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you're never the same, right? And so we're going to look at encounters that people had with Jesus in Matthew 8 and 9. I'm, I'm really, I'm excited for next week because I, I think I know the things that God wants to do in some of our hearts through his word and it's something that for some of us, we've just been longing for him to do for a long time. And so I hope you'll make it a priority to be with us. I'm really excited for, for next week. We, we've, we've gone back in this series, the last few weeks, and literally gone back and looked at some sermons that, that I had an opportunity to preach in the past and just felt like God put in my heart again. Um, thanks, many of you have asked and prayed. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of a writing project, first time I've done anything like this. So these last few weeks have kind of been a, a unique opportunity to, to focus on some of that. Uh, if you remember three weeks ago, we, we talked about what if, how many times we say, what if I can't? And God says, but what if I can? And then we talked about the fact that as the church of Jesus Christ, we're always the bride and never the bridesmaid. And then last week, we looked at uh, this idea of a GPS, a tool that will help us as we make decisions. So these have all, I, I share that again because these have all been sermons that for some reason or another, I just felt real, real, real kind of very strongly that this was something that we should come back to. And um, today is no exception to that. I really feel like that for some people, this is where God has us. You know, sometimes you, you make a meal and you have some leftovers and you put it in the refrigerator and then when you pull it out to eat it a second time, you go, I think that's even better this time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Here's hoping. Okay, so today, <laughs> today's a little different. Right? Most Sundays, my hope is that we speak kind of to a wide audience so that everyone walks away and goes, man, the Lord, the Lord spoke directly to me. But unapologetically, today is, is for a very specific group of people. Now, I know all of us, when we're encountering God's word, the, the spirit has a way of speaking to our hearts. But today, some of you just might not be in that group. You, you might imagine you never will be. Some of you maybe were in the past, and some of you might be in the future. But I think it's really good for us to have this conversation together. Two years ago, we, we did kind of a multi-week deep dive into the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. We, we called it coming home, and we looked at the different characters and individuals in that story. And uh, if, if you want to see more, it's, it's on our website, or you can go out to our YouTube channel and, and find that there. We're, we're going to read through the first part of this very familiar story of the prodigal son today, but we're specifically going to hone in on one of the, the three characters. You know, there's three characters primarily in this story, if you're familiar with it. One of the characters is the older brother, the older brother. Do you know who I'm talking about? Good, because we're not going to talk about him at all today. <laughs> then there's the younger brother, 
And if you don't know the story, here's a little spoiler alert. He, he leaves home and then he comes back. But one of the main characters in this story is the father. And the father is the one we're gonna hone in on today. Whenever I read this story, I have this image that comes to my mind. Now, I know that it's not a biblically accurate one because I've, I've been to Israel, so I've seen kind of the geography. So I know that this is not biblically accurate. But whenever I read this story, it tells us that, that this prodigal son is spotted by his father when he is a long way off. And so I just picture him walking down this long driveway. Anybody ever seen Forrest Gump? All right, you got the picture in your head? You know what I'm talking about? Right? He's walking down this long driveway, and the father is out there on the porch waiting for him to come home. Here's my question for you. What do you do if you're the parent on the porch? Many prodigal relationships are, are parent-child, where the parent is waiting for a, a prodigal child who's found themselves, the Bible calls it a distant country, found themselves in a distant country to come home. But it's not always parent-child. Sometimes it's a child and the parents are prodigal, true? Sometimes it's a spouse. Sometimes it's a, a sibling or another family member. Sometimes it's a friend, a coworker, a neighbor. I, I actually do believe that sometimes there's a, there's a prodigal, if you will, in your life, and you don't even realize it yet, but somebody that God is gonna put in your world that he's gonna burden your heart for them to have a life-changing experience with Jesus. I've got a, I've got a friend who talks about the fact that God sometimes put, puts people in our orbit, that they kind of circle around your world, and you should have a gravitational pull that draws them closer to Jesus. Isn't that a cool image? So there's, there's some people in your orbit who are far from God and God's calling them to come home. For the sake of simplicity today, we're just gonna talk about the person on the porch. What do you do if that's you and you're longing for a loved one to come back home? Jesus tells a, a collection of stories in Luke chapter 15. Here's how he starts this one, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. I don't, I don't know if we always realize how significant that is. The younger son says to his father, Dad, when you die, some of your stuff is gonna be mine. I want it now. So that cost the father something. Like he had to dig into his savings. It's possible that he had to go ahead and sell some of the property that he had now to be able to give it to his son who shouldn't receive it until later. But do you know what the son was saying to his dad? He might as well have said, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. I want your stuff. And the son says, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. What do you do if, if you can relate to the father figure in that story? You can relate to the person 
on the porch? What do you do? Because the reality is, at some point, the person that has gone off to the far country, right? We, we often use the term the prodigal. The prodigal is going to make choices that are out of your control. Isn't that true? Like, you can't just go, shake the prodigal, turn him around and push him and say, go home, right? Like, they're, they're making their choices. So what do you do in those moments? The reality is, the only response, and truthfully, the best response is for us to pray. True? So today, what we're going to talk about is three prayers for the porch. Again, specifically, if you find yourself on the porch today, and you're praying for someone you love who's in the distant country, today we're going to talk about three prayers for the porch. Here's the first one. Prayer number one. These are going to come right from this story. Number one. I pray that they will come to their senses. Prayer number one, I pray, we're gonna make this personal. This is, this is you praying this. If you're the person on the porch, I pray that they will come to their senses. Have you ever had anyone say that to you? You just need to come to your senses. People love it when you say that, <laughs> right? But when the Bible says that it's not a judgmental statement, it's not being judgmental, this is actually a, a spiritual thing. This is a, this is a biblical thing that is happening here. Let me read it. Luke chapter 15. Remember when we left off, the, the son that was in the distant country, the prodigal, finds himself in a pig pen, feeding pigs and starving. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, that, that phrase there, it's just good for you to know, where he says, I will set out. It has this idea of I will rise up. I'm gonna get up out of this pig pen. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, that idea, he's gonna set out. He got up and went to his father. Ultimately, when someone who is far from God comes back to God, it typically means that at some point they came back to their senses. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like they have this light bulb moment where it's just like, oh, wow, they come, they come to their senses. And that's important that, that we use this term like a light bulb moment because what has happened is the enemy has kept them in the dark. The devil, our enemy, likes to delude us. And when you pray this prayer, when you pray that someone will come to their senses, you're praying what we would call a situational prayer. This is a situational prayer. You're praying that their situation will change, that they'll go from being on the top of the world to desperate enough to see that they are in a bad place and that they need to come home. And this is important because the distant country is a deceptive place. Like the draw, the allure of leaving home and going to that distant country with the wild living, it's, it's attractive. It's, it's a deceptive place. You ever, been, you ever been to a restaurant and maybe you're out of town, you're traveling or something, and you see promotions for this restaurant, you've seen billboards, you, you look up online, you read some reviews, you, you look at the menu, and you're like, wow, the food just looks great. It's more than I want to pay. You ever been to that place? Right? But the food looks good, and so you go, you sit down, and it doesn't take you long to see that the service isn't that great and the food is less than mediocre. And you're like, this was my choice. This is where I found myself. And you almost feel like you got taken. Have you ever had that experience? You came to your senses, and you said, oh, 
I thought this is where I wanted to be. I was drawn into this place, but this is not where I want to be. But there's an allure to the distant country, isn't there? Right? It looks great. It fills you with curiosity. You, you think you have a place to belong. It, it, you feel like maybe you've got some freedom for yourselves. Sometimes it's, it's because you have FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is? It's a fear of missing out. And so you look at what's going on in the distant country and you fear that maybe you're missing out. So your FOMO draws you to that other place. The Bible calls it a, a love of the world. And some of us can sit here on a Sunday morning and just shake our heads and go, mm, that prodigal, I can't believe they did it. But we've all been drawn to the distant country, true? Like we all know those moments because there's something so alluring and appealing and the distant country often feels like a magnet that just attracts us and draws us. But once we get there, we realize that the magnet is actually chains and we're bound in that place. So if you have someone in your life who is in that distant country, I would encourage you, and this is this, as you're praying for them to come to their senses, ask God to help you understand their heart. Ask God to help you to understand their heart because there's a good chance that they don't need you to preach to them. They need you to listen to them and to hear what is it that's really going on inside of them. How are we gonna be able to relate to them if we don't understand their hurts? Like, what is it that took them there in the first place? Why did that seem like the place they wanted to be? What's it like for them now? What lies are they believing? We, we have a tendency sometimes that when we interact with someone who is far from God, that we get frustrated with them because of the way that they're acting. And here's something I've had to learn. We should never be surprised when people who are far from God act like they're far from God. True? Sometimes you're like, ah, I can't believe it. They're far from God, and they're acting like they're far from God. Well, do you know why? It's because they're far from God. And yet we're still so surprised we get frustrated in those moments, and sometimes we just need to say, God, would you help me to understand what's going on in their world, God, will you change their situation? It's a situational prayer. But can I take it one step further? This is also what I would call a spiritual prayer. Because as much as we, we pray that their circumstances will change, we need to pray that their spirits will change, that their hearts were changed. And part of the problem when you're interacting with someone who's in a distant country, someone who's far from God, is that when they interact with you, they think you're the one who needs to come to your senses. Like, they think they've figured it out. They've found freedom. They, they've, they've found the answer. They're the ones who figured it out. You're the ones that needs to catch up. And so they think you need to come to your senses. That It's the one on the porch who's missing the point, when in reality, it's not until they find themselves oftentimes in the pig pen, oftentimes when God can do a spiritual work in their heart, when something changes in their heart, that they're willing to even come home. Does that make sense? Okay, if you remember, we highlighted a phrase where he said, I'm going to set out in verse 18, and then it said he got up in verse 20. Does anybody remember that? Was anybody awake during that time? Help me. Okay, you were still awake at that point. Okay, good. Those two phrases are based on a word in the Greek language that is anastas. And it has this idea of to stand up, to get up, to get ready. It's also used later in the New Testament with the idea of rising up or being brought back to life or even the idea of resurrection. 
So when the prodigal son says, I'm going to get up, he literally is using the same word that's used to go from death to life. Now, he wasn't physically resurrected, but he had to go from a place of spiritual death to a place of spiritual life. Does that make sense? And God can do that in our hearts. He can work those things out if we will trust him to do that. So we need to pray that the Spirit will help that person to have the blinders removed from their eyes, that they can go from the darkness and delusion they're on, that they'll have that light bulb moment and see, oh, what I really need is God. Look, look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So how do we pray? We pray that the blinders will be lifted and that they will see the light. If you, if you have someone in your world who is in a distant country and you're praying for them to come home using this imagery from Jesus' sermon, pray that those blinders will be lifted and that they'll be able to see the light. One of the things then that we have to come to terms with is that for that light to come on, God will often have to use someone other than you. Like, you're the one who's praying, and you're the one who loves them, and yet sometimes you might not be the one that God uses for them to come to their senses. So sometimes we have to pray, God, send the right person, or send the right connection, or send the right resource, or send the right moment, that those blinders will be lifted, and that they'll see the light. So our whole, our whole point today is what are the prayers we pray from the porch? And so we, we've got two more prayers to talk about, but before we get there, would it be okay if we prayed? And so just, just kind of for the sake of vulnerability maybe, can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? And when I talked about that today was going to be focusing on the parent on the porch, some of you went right away, oh, that's, I, I know that. And when I talk about someone who needs to come to their senses, you've got a name and a face that came to your mind. And if you have someone that's, that's close to your heart or God's burdened to your heart and you're praying for them to come to their senses, would you just raise your hand? You can raise it and put it right back down. Just, just I think of an act of faith just to say, God, you know, praying that they would come to their senses. Can I just tell you, there's far more hands up than weren't. Lord, you've seen our hands and you know our stories. And Lord, for so many of us, there's a child or a parent or a family member, a friend, a spouse, someone who has found themselves in a distant country. And in many ways, they're just far from you. And Lord, today we pray that they would come to their senses. Lord, if you need to change their situation, if, if there's something in their world that needs to be changed, Lord, would you do that so they could see you? Father, but would you first and foremost change their spirits, change their hearts, so that they would have an openness to see their need to come home to you? Lord, would you help them right now? Spiritually, would you do the work? God, would you remove those blinders that the enemy has put there? Would you, would you help them to see clearly through the delusion of that far country? And would you stir in their hearts to come home? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're, we're gonna hit two, two more prayers. 
What's interesting, though, is the two more prayers aren't so much for the person in the distant country. They're for us. Because this story has as much to do with the parent on the porch as it has to do with the prodigal who's far from home. So here's the second prayer. If you can relate to that parent on the porch, here's number two. I pray that I will be filled with compassion. This is a prayer for you. I pray that I will be filled with compassion. Here's where this comes from. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. We're picking back up in our story. So the prodigal got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Do you see this something that stirred up within the father and something that was probably already there? He had been praying. He had, been, had a heart that was filled with compassion. Here, here we read it again in uh, the New Living Translation. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This language, I think, is important where it says he was filled with compassion because here's what happens. When, whenever you lose anything, it creates kind of a, an empty space in your life. So if you have a person you love who finds themselves in the distant country, that's gonna leave you with some form of emptiness. True? Yes or no? Yes, it does. And as a result, you will try to fill that with something. Whatever it is that's empty in that relationship, you're gonna fill that in some way or another. The prodigal will leave a hole. How will you fill it? Which means when we pray to be filled with compassion, this is a prayer about your emotions, right? How are you gonna emotionally walk through this season? So the, the question, and this, this might be an uncomfortable one to consider, but if you find yourself on the porch, is your emotional response about your loved one or is it really about you? Like as you're walking through this situation, the emotions you're feeling, the difficulty you're having, how much of it is about your loved one and how much of it is really about just, just yourself? Because you're, you're gonna fill that emptiness with something. One of the emotions that we sometimes fill it with is sadness, and rightfully so, because there was probably a part of that relationship in one way or another that has been lost because you have someone you love who has chosen to to put themselves in this distant country. Now, the risk is that the sadness is natural, but if we're not careful, it'll become overwhelming. And if we let the sadness overwhelm us, it becomes paralyzing. You ever seen that happen to you or somebody else? Where a sadness comes in and you feel like, I just can't move past this. And the father had to come to terms with, my son will do whatever my son's gonna do. And even though that sadness is natural, it, it couldn't overwhelm him. Sadness often comes with a partner. <laughs> that partner is anger. Anybody ever seen this? That there's like this partnership that sadness shows up and then the roommate of anger is there as well. And it seems like they, they never are both gone at the same time. It's sadness and anger. You, you often see this in marriages when a husband and wife are walking through someone they love, a child, a family member, someone who has found themselves in a distant country, what usually happens is one spouse is experiencing sadness and the other spouse is experiencing anger. And the two, though they come from the same source, look very different in those moments. Does that make sense? Here's where it gets even more fun. 
On Monday, one spouse is angry, the other spouse is sad. On Tuesday, they trade places. And then it gets real confusing. And what happens is there starts to be this tension that can develop between spouses that come from this same emotional response. Look, this is all normal. But we have to be careful because that can create very real tension in our relationships, not just with spouses. You see the same thing with siblings. You see the same thing with family members. And you've got to be careful, again, that that sadness or that anger doesn't become all-consuming. And you also have to remember this. At the end of the day, your response is not about your spouse, and your response is not about the person that's in the distant country. Who are you responsible for? You are only responsible for yourself in those moments. Let me give you, let me give you one other thing that's good to consider. You'll have an emotion sometimes, let's just call it pity. You can use a lot of words. But pity might be a good word where you might just be beating yourself up because you feel embarrassed that you're in this situation. Sometimes I've talked to parents who just feel like they're a failure. They can't believe that this is the spot that they find themselves in. Look, if, if there are things in your relationship that you need to own, then own those things. And if there's things that you just need to recognize are a consequence of the fact that the distant country is alluring and that we live in a fallen world, then call those things what they are. But if you find that someone close to you is in that distant country, don't stay in a place of shame or embarrassment or failure or pity because tomorrow belongs to those who are gonna move forward, not to those who are stuck in the past. And can I say something that I think is really important to hear? You can, you can be the perfect parent, you can do everything right and still find yourself with someone you love in a distant country. True? Look, I could tell you a story if we had time of a, a guy I know, a father, who honestly did everything right. He did everything perfect. And yet two of his children rebelled and found themselves in a distant country. Their names were Adam and Eve. Do you know the story? God did everything right, perfect. And yet the whole history of humanity is that no one is righteous, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the next time that we wrestle with those things, which is a very real thing to, to wrestle with, remember that you're not alone. This, this is a prayer about how we handle our emotions. Let me take this one more step further. This is also a prayer about your character. Look, if you find yourself on the porch in a relationship with someone you love. Remember that this is a prayer about your character and that you are playing the long game here. You do not know what the future will hold. You do not know what might happen in the future. And what is important is that in that compassion, in your emotions, in your love, that you stay consistent. And remember this, what you do today is what is gonna keep the door open for your prodigal tomorrow. And so it's so important to remember that. Now look, I told you that, that this, this might not apply to everybody today. I do wanna take just a moment and just encourage those of you who still have children under your roof, parents, grandparents, especially those of you that have, that have little kids. It could be easy to check out and go, well, they're, they're not prodigals, they're preschoolers. But you're playing the long game and the things you do and say today set a tone in your character and in that relationship for the long time. Because I can guarantee you this, 
that someday the distant country is gonna call to every one of your children in the same way that it's called to every one of us. And even if you're a perfect parent, you, you never know. So here's my question for you. Are you showing your children that you are a person of character? Are you showing your children today, not just, not just if you find yourself on the porch in the future, but today, are you showing your children that you are a person of character? This has not been intentional in these last few weeks, but it seems like there's been a thread, at least in some of the services and everyone's these last few messages, to just talk about how important it is that our children see consistency from us as parents. I can tell you that, that I've seen very few things more devastating in the lives of children with regards to their faith than a parent who is inconsistent. And so parents, if, if you need to apologize because of the response you had at times to your little children, don't be afraid to do that. And some of us may need to go back and make things right, not just with our little children, but with our, with our big ones. And we feel this pressure all the time that I've gotta be perfect, I've gotta be perfect. Can I tell you this? Your children need your presence more than your perfection, true? And to say, how, how can I have that place in their life? I remember when I was a young dad and I was really stressed, am I doing this dad thing right? Because I was pretty sure I could list all the ways that I wasn't doing it right. I remember talking to a friend and he said, look, you're a gardener and God has entrusted you with some living things to make sure that you tend and that they grow in a healthy way. So watch the fruit. And if the fruit is healthy, keep, keep doing what you're doing. But God has entrusted you to be the gardener of your children, so you, you gotta know each tree and its variety, and you've gotta know what it's like, and you've gotta remember the age, the stage, the flexibility. Have you noticed the older the tree gets, the less flexible it is? Which is so valuable in investing into our children young. You gotta know the soil that it's planted in. Is this healthy soil? Does it need fertilized? Does it need watered? Is it toxic? There may even be some times where you gotta replant some things. You gotta monitor the fruit. Is there something you need to prune? Is there healthy fruit growing? Do you have these healthy expectations as you see this? So you are the gardener and you have to say, what is the fruit that I see? And if the fruit isn't healthy, then you adjust how you're gardening. That was liberating for me as a dad. That was helpful. I also think that's why it's so key that as, and, and again, I'm, I'm speaking primarily here for a moment, parents, grandparents, making sure that your children have a firm spiritual foundation in their life. Not to be negative, but what, what if they do run off to a distant country? Do you know why the prodigal knew that he could come home? Because he knew what home was. And he knew the character of his father. And to make sure that your children have a firm foundation of what home is. This is why, honestly, I'm excited that, that Wednesday nights start back up here this week. Because of the value that they bring. If you, if you caught me in the atrium and you said, Chad, why do we do Wednesday night services here at Calvary? Give me one good reason why we do Wednesday nights. Look, I hope you'll come out for first Wednesday because I think God's got something special for us. I hope you'll sign up and be a part of the classes that we're gonna offer. There's some really good, good options to, to grow in your faith. But if you said, give me one reason why we do Wednesday nights, it's for your kids. It's so that they can have a firm spiritual foundation. Can I get on my soapbox for just a moment? Yes or no? It's for your kids. Your, your children need a firm foundation of faith that their lives can be built on. Something that, 
their lives are structured in so that even if someday they go away from home, they'll know they have home to come back to. They'll know their heavenly father loves them. And can I tell you, I know that for my own life and the lives that I've watched of children over and over again in years of ministry, what happens on Wednesday nights, what happens in those moments, not only teaches a foundation of faith, but it also builds friendships. It also shows them godly mentors so that as they're making decisions in middle school and high school, they have a firm foundation that goes back that they're not just influenced by the world that's in their orbit, but they're influenced by the firm foundation of faith that their family's standing on. Does that make sense? Can I also tell you this? If you want to make a difference, and I I mean this sincerely, if if you want to know that your ministry is going to last, if you feel like God is asking you to invest in a special way in his kingdom, then get involved with our kids and students. Find a way to, to track with Pastor Lindsay, Pastor Matt, Pastor Jay, call the office, sign up online, find a way to invest in those ministries. I, I recently have had interaction with multiple people who were children in kids' church when I was the kids' pastor who have come back to me and said, my life went some crazy ways, but there were things God did in my life then that drew me back here now. And they mentioned by name people, not me, other people in the church who were role models who invested in their life. You want to make a difference for eternity? Invest in the next generation. Because here's, here's why. I believe that when we invest in the next generation, we plant a spiritual song in their head that plays on repeat. And I think it still plays when they're in a distant country. And it's a beautiful song that calls them home. That's my soapbox. Thank you very much. Make sure that that song is playing in the lives of the heads of the people in your family. Why? Because the prodigal son knew his father well enough to know that he could still come home. And if you're the person on the porch, know that not everyone is gonna understand it. When you're out there waiting and praying and longing for someone to come home. You ever had a nosy neighbor Anybody? I just watched people, like literally you had faces flash in your mind. If they go to Calvary, just stay quiet right now. Just smile, just smile. You ever had a nosy neighbor? And they're always watching to see why you're on your porch and they wanna know what's going on. And at some point, they're like, I can't believe it. I can't believe what their child did. I can't believe they still love them. I can't, oh my goodness, can you believe what's going on over there? Why is it they always have this voice? And if you have this voice, it's probably you, right? Like, right? And know that somebody, if, if you're gonna love that person that's in the distant country, there's a real good chance other people aren't gonna understand you. Maybe moments where you're embarrassed or feel like you're judged. Let me ask this too. If, if you're the neighbor and you know someone who's on the porch, let's stop judging them and start praying with them. How's that sound? Let's help them love that prodigal home. You know why? Because sometimes, I've watched this over and over again, sometimes the hardest step for someone to take when they come home from the distant country is not to come home, it's to come back to church. Well, what are they gonna think? Are they gonna judge me? What do they expect from me? Coming back to church can be the hardest part. So sometimes you and I have to drop our high and mighty and get humble and loving and let people know they can just come home. 
Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Praying for Your Prodigal. Praying for Your Prodigal, helpful resource. And he tells a, Kyle's a, a pastor in Kentucky, and he, he tells this story that someone shared with him. This young man wrote, eight years ago I left home and went away to college. I joined a fraternity, and I was majoring in partying. And for the first three semesters, I never stopped and thought about what I was doing. I never prayed. I was living in a distant country. And then reality came crashing in on me, and I could no longer deny what was happening. I had flunked four of my five classes, and it was a wake-up call. I knew I needed to make some changes. I needed to get out of the fraternity. I needed to lose some of my friends. But what I really needed was to make a change in my relationship with God, if he would still have me. I needed to call my parents to explain that I had failed. There was no good place to have any privacy in the frat house, so I took the phone into the bathroom, and I called and explained to my parents that I'd blown it in so many areas of my life, not just my grades, but also in my walk with Christ. I had strayed away from him. My parents listened to what I had to say, and then they said three powerful words to me. They didn't say turn things around. They didn't say make things right. They didn't say get some help or figure it out. They didn't say we love you. And they didn't say we forgive you. It was better than that. What they said was just come home. And there are prodigals in your world who need to hear the exact same thing from you. People who need to know God's love from you. So three prayers for the porch. One, I pray that they come to their senses. Two, I, I pray that I'd be filled with compassion. Here's the third one, number three. I pray for the love of my heavenly Father. If you're on the porch, pray this. God, will you help me to have the love that you have as my heavenly Father? Let's go back to the story, verse 22 of Luke 15. But the father said to his servants, remember the son came home and said, hey, I'm not even worthy to be your servant. And the, the father stops him, stops him, and the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. They had a cow that they were saving for some event, for, for some holiday. It was, it was like you have a cow in your backyard. You're getting, getting her ready for Bessie's getting ready for Christmas. Are you with me, right? So bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Look, one thing I don't wanna hide is I know that every one of these relationships is different and it's complex and it's complicated and it can't just be summed up. That's why it took us four weeks just to get through this story. But can I tell you, if you find yourself on the porch Pray that you'll have the love of your heavenly father because it's an unconditional love. It's a love that is unconditional that you hold on to no matter what. And here's the reality. If you love that person who's in a distant country, there's a good chance they'll push you away, right? Right? Like rejection might be a part of it. You could be doing everything right. You could be loving them and there still could be 
the pushback. There still could be, look, why won't you just let me live my life? Why can't I just do what I do? Why can't you just accept me as I am? And sometimes love looks like rejection. And that son slammed that door shut on his father. And when he turned around, the door was wide open. He turned his back on his dad. And when he looked again, his dad's arms were wide, just waiting for him to come home. And there is this unconditional love. All right, Chad, but what do I do if I've been praying for that prodigal for years? Maybe you heard this sermon two years ago and you've been praying. Maybe for decades you've been waiting. You've been wondering if that spouse is ever gonna come to their senses, if that brother is ever gonna come back home, if that, and the list goes on and on and on. What do you do? I would encourage you that at some point, this is more about the state of your heart even, even more than it is them coming to their senses. And you keep praying and you keep believing and you trust, but if you're the person on the porch, I know it's hard and I know it's difficult, but you trust and you ask God to give you that unconditional love and to help you through that time. And can I tell you this? I think sometimes you may be the person on the porch and you're waiting and praying and you're not seeing any movement from the prodigal in your life, but while you're there on the porch, God is gonna send other prodigals your way, not your prodigal, but somebody else's, and you're gonna be able to speak into their world and into their life. They're gonna come into your orbit and you're gonna be able to minister to them because who knows better what to say and how to pray than you do. Does that make sense? So if God brings other prodigals your way, some of you don't even see them coming yet, but you're gonna walk into work tomorrow morning and all of a sudden God's gonna give you burden for the most irritating person in the office. Some of you are like, oh Lord, don't let that be prophetic. <laughs> and you're gonna go, God, what is this? And the Spirit's gonna say, that's somebody's prodigal. And I want you to love them with an unconditional love because I really want them to come home. Because isn't that what you hope somebody else is gonna do for your prodigal? We love them in those moments. Look, we've got one more quick thing to talk about, but I wanna stop and pray here again. Can I ask you to just bow your heads? And I'm not asking for a show of hands or standing up or any kind of response. It's just in your heart. Because some of you are tired of being on the porch. And you're tired of prodigal heartbreak, maybe even repeated prodigal heartbreak. And you just say, God, I need that compassion and I need that love. But I don't know if I have it in me. Lord, would you fill my friends with compassion? And would you give them the unconditional love of their heavenly father? Some of us are tired and we're weary and our hearts have been broken and broken and broken again. And Lord, would you pour out your grace? Lord, would you use them to minister hope and love to others? And Lord, as we entrust those prodigal people into your hands, Lord, would you let us know that there's there's a confidence you love them more than we ever could? And Lord, would you fill us Fill our emotions, fill our spirits, fill our hearts in ways that only you could do. In Jesus' name, amen. One last quick thought about this love that we pray for from the Heavenly Father is it's a sacrificial love. If you're gonna love someone who's far from God, 
like if you're gonna find yourself sitting on that porch. There's a burden that you carry, isn't there? And at some point, it may cost you something. What's the Bible tell us? I'll give you a case study here, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And when that father saw his son coming, he wasn't afraid of the cost. Grab the ring. Get the robe. Somebody get the shoes. Somebody go slaughter Bessie. We're going to celebrate because he was dead and he's alive again. And he's come back home. And I want to switch gears for just a minute and not talk about the parent on the porch. But what if you're the one who needs to come home? What if you're the one that today, as we've been talking about this, there's been something stirring inside of you, and you feel like God's stirring in you and calling you to come back to your senses. And you've been reminded today that no matter how far out, whatever pig pen you've been in, wherever you're at in a distant country, that you have a heavenly father who is saying to you, you can come home. And some of us even today need to just kind of get up out of that place where we've been and rise up from that place into a new spiritual life that God has for us. Because isn't that what this story is all about? Look, this, this book has 66 books in it. I think it's over 1,100 chapters. And we only get three chapters in and we mess the whole thing up. Do you remember that? We don't even get past the introduction. And Adam and Eve, they break the whole deal. And then after that, every chapter, every page, every single word, is the story of how God goes to great lengths to restore that relationship that was broken between you and your father who says, you can come home. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? One more prayer. Because we are all prodigals in need of our father's sacrificial love. And some of you, you have been prayed for there are people who have longed for a moment. There is a heavenly father who has called to you and has wanted nothing more than for you to come home. And you can relate in this moment like there's a light bulb and you're like, I just need to come home. Jesus stretched out his arms wide and when he died on the cross, he paid the price for your sins and mine. And he's calling you home. And you can know forgiveness and grace. You, you can know a fresh new life because Jesus died for you. But he not only died, he rose again. And because he's alive, there's purpose, there's meaning, there's life. Just a simple question. And I know that there's some of us in this room, there's some of us in auditorium too, who need to raise a hand in just a moment. I think even more, there's some of you that are they're listening to this podcast. You're watching this on a screen somewhere. And you know that in this moment, God is calling you and you need to come home. If that's you and you just say, God, today I need to come home. Will you just raise a hand and keep it up for just a moment? God, I need to come home. Is that you? Yeah, thanks, thanks. Anybody else? God, I need to come home. In this room, auditorium too. Anybody else? I need to come home watching this somewhere, I need to come home. Yeah, you can put your hand back down. Anybody else? 
God, I need to come home. Father, we love you. Jesus, I pray with the one that's raised a hand today. And I pray for the ones that know they could. I'm not quite sure if they're ready. Jesus, we need your love and we need your forgiveness and we need your grace. And Lord, thank you that you have made a way for all of us, any of us, to come home. Lord, would you help us to respond to the love of the Father? God, would you help us to be open to your word as it calls us? Lord, we come home to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, look, if you're watching online and today you need to begin that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I hope you go out to our website at ToledoCalvary.org. There's a link there you can click just says Jesus, and we'd love to share some more information with you. If you're here today, stop by out in the atrium. There's a sign you'll see that says new here, and we would love to pray with you. We've got a Bible we want to give to you, and just want to encourage you in your walk. Lord, as we go into this uh, next week, would you go with us? Would you help us to see the people in our orbit as children who need to come back to their father and may your compassion and love work through us in a way that draws them to you through your special favor and your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, can we thank the Lord for his word as Pastor Keith comes today?